So I wanted to welcome back to the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics podcast, Laura Tebert. Hi, Laura. Hey, Jason. Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks. I'm glad <laughs> glad to have you back. I mean, you, um, you, you've been pretty busy, haven't you? <laughs> I certainly have. Yes, I have been very busy um, with my Living Like Prince um, blog this year. And uh, yeah, it's really taking off and getting a little media attention and um, you know, had a had a story in the Chicago Tribune, and then uh, appeared on uh, on television, live television in Chicago. So yeah, it's great to to see the idea uh, catching on. Yeah, for sure. And this is we're recording this episode in July, and July is your month to basically just have fun. I mean, just kind of you know do what what Prince would do, and just enjoy life. That right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So this the theme this month is play, and uh, actually that's why I picked this song, <laughs> which <laughs> gave me the opportunity to um, think about a song from Controversy. That's one of the reasons I picked this song today. So I'll let you talk about that, though. Yeah. So we're up to episode number thirty of the the podcast, and so we're going to be covering Private Joy, which is the fourth track on the Controversy album. Controversy only had uh, eight songs total, so we're about halfway through the album. It, Private Joy kicks off the side B if you had the LP or the cassette. And so this is the first song you'd hear if you flipped it over. And Private Joy was not released as a single in the United States, but it was the B-side to Do Me Baby, which was the third single released off Controversy. So it, it received some um, notoriety for that, and it also received some notoriety because it was covered most famously by LaToya Jackson. She covered it for one of her uh, recordings in 1984, although, once again, it was not released as a single even by LaToya. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting song. It's a great song. It's very upbeat, you know, very danceable. Uh, it's got kind of playful lyrics. And as you mentioned, you know, with this, with your month being of living like Prince with play, Private Joy is an apt song to discuss play because it's all about being playful with your lover and and um you know it, and there's a lot of uh, euphemisms for uh sexuality and just you know a playful song in general and i i really enjoy this track particularly i think it's really fun song what are your thoughts on private joy as a as a song off controversy yeah, you know i think it's one of those songs that can seem a little too poppy at first but um uh, it it can really grow on you. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite tracks on Controversy. I mean, it's I hope it's okay to say this, but it's it's a young song, right? To me, yeah. it feels like yeah, it's got it's got that youthful energy and it's playful and um, you know, it's it actually it has the other distinction in just my personal um, love of Prince's catalog of having one of my favorite play on words uh, that he ever did, which, you know, I, I just love the idea that he's taking the common phrase pride and joy and kind of flipping it right into private joy. And I just think it's so clever. And that's that's what initially drew me to the song. And then, yeah, it's really grown on me. Yeah, right. I mean, that that's a good point. You know, a lot of we've heard the phrase, you're my pride and joy or she's my pride and joy. And uh, if you say it really quickly, you can maybe think that somebody's saying private joy. And yeah, that's that is clever. It's very clever. And um, as we get through eventually through the lyrics, we're, we'll dissect a little bit why or maybe talk a little bit why 
in this particular song, he's talking about somebody who he wants to keep private. Or I mean, why does why does the relationship need to be private? And um, so those are questions that I think of when I'm listening to this song. But we'll get we'll get to that as we get through the lyrics a little <laughs> bit more. But um, Laura, do you have any um, background on the song? I my understanding is that it was written by or it might have been inspired by Prince's relationship with Vanity Six's uh, Susan Moonsey. Is that what your understanding is as well? Or have you heard that? Yes. So um, that is uh, included in uh, in the book, uh, The Rise of Prince, that um, Alex Hahn and I co-authored. And I need to give Alex the credit for this story. Um, it was in his original biography of Prince, um, 2002's Possessed. So yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Alex writes in Possessed that it was, um, the lyrics were directed at Susan Moonsey and she, um, Susan was a longtime friend that he, uh, Prince began dating after the Dirty Mind tour. So uh, it has that, you know, distinction. And, um, and also I, I think too, Jason, like it's worth talking a little bit about a couple of firsts that uh, are related to Private Joy, and that's really uh, revolving around the recording of it. One was that it was the first song to be recorded in its entirety at Sunset Sound Studios in Los Angeles. But secondly, and possibly more significantly, was it was the first song uh, that Prince used the Lynn LM1 drum machine on. And um, as we can imagine, the Lynn LM1 was in a way Prince's private joy into <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, instruments. But um, but yeah, it was, I mean, the Lynn LM1 was new at the time. It, it was really the first drum machine that incorporated sounds sampled from real drums. So instead of sounding sort of plastic or fake, um, the Lynn sounded much more like a true instrument. And uh, as we know, this really came to the Lynn LM1 sound, came to really represent Prince in a lot of people's minds. And, you know, if you go to Paisley Park still today, you can see the Lynn, his beloved Lynn, um, behind glass in Studio A, <laughs> right. you can see it. Yeah, and that's and that's interesting um, because with the Lynn drum machine, "Private Joy" was the last track. It was the last track recorded for the Controversy album, and since it was the first to use the Lynn drum machine, then it would just it would make sense then for that discovery and and the use of that in late 1981 or 1981 to then transfer over into the recording of 1999, which is where that drum machine probably has its most prominence. And became um, kind of synonymous with the with the Minneapolis sound and Prince's sound at the time, so that totally makes sense that you know all the other tracks recorded for this album didn't have it, and then Private Joy, the last track recorded, did, which bled right into the nineteen nine or yeah, the other nineteen ninety nine album recordings in a year later. So, thanks for that little tidbit of information. It's very in yeah. interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, Prince, um, <laughs> there's a famous quote uh, that, that is in Possessed and the Rise of Prince from Bobby Rivkin, who, of course, was a drummer. And um, I've, I've seen this around a few times. And, and Bobby said, you know, when I heard Private Joy the first time, that was the moment I knew things were going to change. You know, and I think um, any drummer would maybe be quaking in their boots. <laughs> right. <laughs> <I'm> being replaced <laughs> by a drum machine. <laughs> yeah, 
and being replaced by a machine. But you know, it's um, apparently it's really hard to record drums. Um, it's expensive. It's slow. It takes a you know it can be hard to get a good sound. And you know, the Lynn gave uh, Prince you know this this great sound, and you know he really could record anywhere. I mean, he could record in his hotel room, which he'd been known to do. So yeah. um, it was freeing for Prince. Yeah, he could he could record day or night anywhere he wanted using this drum machine. And it was, like you said, portable and easy to use. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention about Private Joy before we get into the lyrics is that, as we talked about, um, you know, the covers, and there was also another cover that was from a, a singer name, I don't know how to pronounce it, Cheyenne or Shine, mm. off of the Weird Science soundtrack. I'm not familiar with that version whatsoever. Um, but then also, the the end of the song ends with like this this um, gnarly blast of guitar, and and Prince finishes the song that bleeds right into uh, Ronnie Talk to Russia using you know just playing this guitar over the drum beat, and that was sampled and used for uh, the song orgasm off of come but i find it a little funny that so this song was inspired by susan <laughs> susan moonsey from vanity six but then prince uses vanity's vocals i use vocals in quotation for <laughs> the song orgasm so i just kind of funny to me like he uses a he uses a sample from a song written about one band member and also uses samples from uh, vocal samples from the other <laughs> two, th the other uh, two thirds of the Vanity Six for that song as well. So only one missing is uh, Brenda. <laughs> for that yeah, song. <laughs> lucky Brenda. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Or or orgasm is one of those songs that you know when I get to it one of these days I'm like, well, I don't really have a lot to talk about. Yeah. But... <laughs> no, that'll be an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> for I think sure. That one solo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a short episode. Okay, um, so if you don't mind, I think we'll just start getting into the lyrics if you're ready yeah, for let's it. Dive in. So, uh, Private Joy, you know, with the the first verse, he's got a couple verses and a couple choruses, and and it's like with typical Prince songs in there. You know, he has a bridge in there and has some uh, kind of spoken word outro or some kind of uh, interesting pseudo rap, proto rapping going on. But in the in the first verse, he starts off the song, "My little secret, my private joy. I could never let another play with my toy. My little angel from heaven above." And he goes, oh, 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 I think I'm falling in love. And that's verse one. So in the first verse, you know, he's making he's making reference to his private joy, his secret. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, you know, he's talking about it being a secret, secrets and privates and and not yet necessarily using private in terms of, um, you know, the body parts, but private meaning, you know, something that he wants to keep to himself. And that's why in the next line, he says, I can never let another play with my toy. So he's referring to this this woman of this song as a toy. <laughs> so mm -hmm. and that's interesting. So it's almost like I, I get uh, imagery of 
of uh, like, a, you know, like a kitten playing with like a ball of string or just batting around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know it's really yeah. weird imagery to be thinking of when you're thinking of a Prince song. But for some reason, toy, I just think of I think of children. I think of kittens. I don't necessarily think of adults in, a, in an adult relationship when I'm thinking of the word toy. Um, so I don't know. To me, that's a little interesting terminology to be calling her a toy in the song. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, there there are some things ab- about this song that you know, <laughs> if you think too much about it, could be could be somewhat you know worrisome or concerning. But um, you know, or I even think, a little degrading, <laughs> or or degrading. And and I think too, um, I I think maybe the the term toy too also makes us feel so youthful. I mean, it's it's interesting, and it's and the idea of um, private right because i feel that you know this album with you know the lead lead song being controversy is so much about life in the public eye Mm -hmm. and um you know the fact that this song is about something that's private just for him i mean i it it did raise you know for me the the juxtaposition right so as he's as prince is coming to, you know, fame and being seen in the public eye, you know, certainly he would want something, right, to be private and not not be, you know, available to the media and the public. And I think this song is really about that. It's about something that, you know, is just still for you. It's sort of sacred, right? It's it's just between two people. It doesn't have to be, you know, a huge romance in the public eye like Prince and Vanity were. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I like that about the song. I, I like that that he seems so joyful too to have something that's that's private. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he never name checks anybody in the song. He never gives any clues as to who he's talking about, which um, obviously as we, if we agree that this is him trying to express joy of being with somebody without without there being a lot of cameras flashing and paparazzi or people writing about it and trying to dissect it because I feel like this was that kind of song as you mentioned where it's like I'm just really happy when I'm with this person but I don't want I don't want anybody to spoil it for us you know I don't want this to get yeah. spoiled through by fame and by um, you know having it being talk about too much or for people to dissect it too much and look too deep into what it was because it, it was probably a very casual relationship i don't think that i don't know for this for a fact but it doesn't feel like they were ever you know in a place where they almost got married like maybe like with Susanna or somebody else later in his life but at the time he was seemed to be very happy in this relationship yeah i think that um you know susan was um, I, I think she was a significant relationship for him. And um, I, I think she, you know, according to uh, Alan Leeds, who was interviewed for um, for Alex's book, Possessed, Alan felt that she was a, a very good relationship for Prince, you know, very grounding. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I think this was a time when, you know, Prince was young, he was starting to live the rock star lifestyle. And, you know, he was possessive of of Susan Moonsey, but also at the same time expected her to tolerate you know, his, his sort of messing around with other women. I mean, at that time, you know, he, he also had connected with Jill Jones, 
mm-hmm. um, who he met when she was a backup vocalist. Um, she was backup vocalist for Tina Marie on the uh, Rick James tour. So, I mean, there was, you know, there there are some kind of tough things about this song. I think if you if you think about what was going on in Prince's life at the time, so somewhat somewhat of a double standard, I think yeah. you could say. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't argue with that based on. Based on what I've read as well, which is obviously the a lot of the same stuff that you co-wrote. So yeah, it's we're on the same page there. But this first verse feels like it could be sang by you know like a, a teeny bopper type singer, like um, you know like a, a, a young teenager, like uh, a Tevin Campbell or somebody else that mm-hmm. Prince has worked with that was very youthful at the time. Like a, a very young singer could sing this first verse, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a really cute. Uh, puppy love type type song but then there's some some terminology used later in the song where it's like oh wait no that doesn't work anymore so. <laughs> that's right so first verse term. is very cute and innocent <laughs> yes that's right we'll go with that for right now yes for now. <laughs> goes into the chorus and i ain't going to tell nobody nobody about my little pretty toy all the other kids would love to love you but you're my little private joy my private joy you're my private joy private joy such a pretty toy joy you are my private joy and so in the chorus he even talks about kids all the other kids would love to love you mm-hmm. <laughs> so this also wow. gives more more credence to the the thought of this being a song that could be sung by a teenager or somebody who is singing about a, uh, like I said already, puppy love or a very early relationship. You know, one of those relationships where, you know, it's like one of the first ones you have, your first girlfriend or your first boyfriend, where you feel these things for the first time and you just want to, you know, sing, sing off the mountaintop, how much you love being with this person. Um, so that's the chorus. What, what are your thoughts on the chorus, Laura? I mean, it's sweet, you know, Mm -hmm. on one level, it it really is sweet. And it really does speak to puppy love, youthful love. And, you know, just the um, just that soaring feeling you get, you know, when you're when you're first connecting with someone and you're you're falling in love. And, you know, even the way Prince sings joy in this song with, you know, real soaring notes. I mean, it's. I love that part about this song because I feel like um, the music sounds like the word, right? The, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if there's a word for that. I know that onomatopoeia is when a word sounds like what it's describing, like plop or speech mm-hmm. or something. But the, you know, the music sounds like joy. It sounds like that soaring, happy, you know, excited, ecstatic feeling you get when you're falling in love with someone. Yeah, and me reading the lyrics can't do it justice, obviously, and I'm not going to attempt to sing Joy in the chorus (laughs) the way Prince does. (laughs) Sorry, that's just not going to happen. This is where I insert the chorus into into this podcast so people can actually hear the way Prince sings it, because (laughs) me reading it isn't going to do it justice. chorus goes on i mean it's it as you mentioned the way he sings it is very 
It's very soaring. He stretches it out. I mean, joy is a one-syllable word, so you don't think it could stretch it out that long, but he does. He makes he very clear. He stretches it out for a long time to just kind of um, make it sound as joyous as possible, just singing the word joy. And what I still get from this, listening to this song at this point with the first verse and listening to the chorus, it just feels like uh, a, a young person singing about their first relationship and the re- maybe the reason why that the person wants to keep it private, I mean, we, we kind of uh, hypothesized why we think this song would have been something that Prince wanted or, you know, his relationship with Susan would have wanted to keep it private from, you know, the press or from people interested in his personal life because he was a musician. But if you're not famous and you're just wanting to keep a relationship private, maybe you're just trying to avoid pressures from parents or from friends who don't understand or won't understand, you know, what's changed or, you know, they don't get it, you know, like with those early relationships, my friends don't get it, my parents don't get it, we love each other, and this is why I want to keep it private, because I don't want anybody to um, dismiss how we feel because we're young, you know? I'm sure that's a relatable thing for a lot of young people to think of that, and like, well, I'm just not going to tell anybody because I don't want to be... I don't want anybody to um, to sour it for me. Yeah. And when you, you know, when you're first dating someone, sometimes you do almost want to just exist in this bubble where it's just the two of you and the world isn't intruding on, mm-hmm. on your relationship. And, you know, that that happens later, I guess, inevitably. But sometimes in the beginning, yeah, you just want to you just want to exist in that sort of magical world together. And, and that's what this feels like for me. Yeah, for sure. The whole song does. Okay, um, so then we move on to verse two, and this is where you know, if this was sung, if this was being sung by a thirteen or fourteen year old, you, you kind of get a little like, what? <laughs> this is inappropriate. <laughs> it starts off, "You're my little lover," orgasmatron. Only I know, only I know, baby, what turns you on. My little secret neon light. Girl, I want to turn it on, turn it on, turn it on every night. Okay, so it's no longer very innocent. You know, we just love each other. We're holding hands. Maybe a peck on the cheek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so verse two is about sex. So there, he's now explaining how uh, aroused he is with her and how good the sex is, basically. Yeah, I love that. I, I mean, I love how it takes this little twist and turn with every verse and um, I, I like that um, visual of you're my little secret neon light, you know, because I don't know if you had this in the early 80s, but these sort of little neon flickering lights, you know, light bulbs were in and, and you know, it was really cool to have a lava lamp or one of those in your room. And I just get this visual, you know, of, of the early 80s. And I mean, I think it's really 
important too to like keep this song in in kind of the context of the time and um you know it's it's just so it's such a different feeling than what was popular what was sort of mainstream popular then and um it it does have kind of this little sort of anarchic subversive feel to it especially mm -hmm. with this verse it kind of takes this turn you know and yeah. i mean <laughs> i actually looked up what was trending um in the top 40 when controversy came out so when this song first would have been heard and you know it was like lady by kenny rogers you know <laughs> and it, it couldn't really feel much different but no, um yeah. yeah yeah so i know i i love this i love this verse and the the turn it takes you know you now know this is a, very much an adult relationship yeah for sure even though he still referenced kids in the course <laughs> yeah okay whatever <laughs> we'll just kind of we'll, we'll just kind of let that pass <laughs> um, so the orgasmatron now I'm not, I wasn't familiar with that term. So I also had to look that up and I guess it's a reference to the Woody Allen film sleepers. What I have to assume since that came out before this song was recorded, uh, I had never seen sleeper. So I wasn't familiar with the term orgasmatron, but yeah, it's, it's a reference to this device in the Woody Allen film sleeper from 73 where two people enter it and it brings them quickly to orgasm. So, oh. so there, so that's an orgasmatron. <laughs> because I thought that... it was a term of endearment for, <laughs> for Susan, but okay. Well, I mean, it's both, I guess, because he turned that, he turned this term, this phrase that was found in this film to, because um, the, the film is, uh, it's supposed to be like science fiction. So it's supposed to take place in the, dis in the distant future. It's not, it doesn't take place in, you know, present tense in the seventies. So it takes place in the future where I guess, uh, everybody's kind of cold and frigid and and these machines have to exist in order to um, get people to ha enjoy sex and enjoy orgasms oh. even though they're not do they're not doing it you know the natural way they have to they need these machines to to bring them to orgasm and that's oh. what I, I guess orgasmatron is um, but if, obviously in the song he's referring to his lover as the orgasmatron so <laughs> Oh, you taught me something today. I will yeah, so it, it's the song the same way. That's great. <laughs> it's still a term of endearment. So you're absolutely right. It's just uh, based off of something science fiction related from a Woody Allen film of all people. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Right? We need to make a list of, you know, all the movies Prince obviously watched and, <laughs> and, and go through them as well. I just heard he, um, uh, Susanna, Melvoin was talking about how she and Prince watched Being There, the Peter Sellers movie, yep. over and over again. So now I've got that on my list to watch, but clearly I have to add Sleeper as well. Yeah, oh, that's a good. That's good information because uh, you got to think of maybe the lyrics that he was writing when he was with Susanna in the the mid '80s. Hmm, I wonder if there's any Being There references that I <laughs> we can decipher later on. <laughs> I'm on it, Jason. I'll be on it. So thanks, yeah. Laura. <laughs> Always giving me something to think about. Yep, Appreciate that about right. you. That's right. <laughs> okay, so we've established now that even though there's references to kids in the chorus, this is an adult relationship, or at least it's a relationship that involves sexual intercourse. So then go back into the chorus, and um, the chorus is the same. So he doesn't really do anything different with the chorus again after the second verse. So I won't repeat that. He's still talking about his pretty toy and private joy and the soaring 
soaring way he sings joy at the end of each line or joy and toy but when he says joy he sings it very soaringly um and that's obviously i would say by per on purpose and by design and then he gets into this bridge Shoot me up, baby. Let's take a trip, which is, you know, kind of a strange drug reference, but whatever. I can't get enough. Can't get enough of your private, private joy. And then he says the he says the word joy, and then he follows it up with a, another line that rhymes. Joy, such a pretty toy. Joy, you are my private joy. Joy. Then he takes another stab at the drug reference. Shoot me up, baby. Let's take a trip. Joy. Can't get enough of your private joy come on honey baby get up and then we get into like a little bit of an instrumental at that point um so here he's just kind of playing around with the words and playing around with the phrases private joy and pretty toy and you know taking a trip and things like that so i think these lines are really just kind of meant to to have some fun with the with the words and the phrases and put some more um, lyrics out there before getting into the uh, kind of like the, the instrumental bridge yeah, I agree. I mean, there's not, you know, a huge amount of depth in these lyrics, but, um, you know, it's all about sort of the, the music at this point, I think. And then towards the end of the song, he has like this, and I say, I don't, I said proto-rap earlier because it's kind of like he's not really <laughs> singing it. So he's just kind of speaking these lines or even partially screaming these lines. I strangled Valentino and then somebody, well, not somebody, it's Prince, <laughs> backing, yeah. you know, singing, singing kind of like as a, as a background singer. So he says, I strangled Valentino, he strangled Valentino, been mine ever since been his ever since because you know it's supposed to be like somebody else saying it behind him like oh yeah you know i'm just reiterating what he's saying but i'm not talking about me i'm talking about him if anybody asks you if anybody asks you you belong to prince you belong to prince come on baby get up so i strangled valentino and i mean obviously he's talking about uh the famous silent film actor rudolph valentino here who was obviously well known for his good looks so He's basically taking out the competition <laughs> yep. through violence. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, man. You know, you got to strangle Valentino and get him out of the picture. And I, I just think it's. I wonder, you know, Jason, I was like, uh -huh. I was picturing in my mind that, you know how, I don't know, when, when I was young, like my girlfriends and I would have nicknames for everybody, you know, including the guys we dated. And I'm half. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Susan had some ex that Prince decided to just call Valentina, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a disparaging way. So, you know, oh, yeah. he eliminated Valentino. Yeah, um, that, that, I mean, that is, that's, 
that's a good observation because obviously at this time Val- Rudolph Valentino had been dead for decades. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that he was legitimately <laughs> competition for his private joy or for Susan in this song. So yeah, it, it makes sense that you know did, did he did it to reference somebody that people know who was well known for his looks, but also kind of like, hey, you know, get Valentino out of here, you know, and just use it as a nickname for you know, boyfriend X or, you know, competition guy and number one. Yep. That's how, that's how I imagine it anyway. That's my, yeah. my, you know, studied interpretation of this important lyric. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I just wanted to bring up that for whatever reason, he has like this uh, weird connection to Valentino because he mentions Valentino when in the lyrics to Manic Monday, what, how does it go? It's uh, I was kissing Valentino by a crystal blue italian stream or something like that (laughs) yeah yeah that's right i love that yeah so he mentions valentino again a few years later when he's writing the the lyrics to manic monday so i just wanted to to bring that up just because it's kind of a neat uh, connection Well, and then of course selma hayek's daughter valentina does come up much later in the career too so then we have the female form of valentino uh in in prince's catalog so we've Mm -hmm. we've really covered it all and when I was listening to the Latoya Jackson version, I needed to um, find out how she changed these lyrics because this wouldn't really work. Because um, no. then he also refers to himself in the in the first person, "You belong to Prince." So he he does that here. He's talking about himself, and he refers to himself in that way. And so I want to know what Latoya did, and she changes. So you know, throughout the song, she changes the pronouns. Um, to make it fit for a for a female singer, for a straight female singer, and and what she does there is that um, she changes Valentino to Cleopatra, and mm. then instead of belonging to Prince, she had changed the line before because it needed a rhyme, but she says something about um, you belong to Toy, as you oh. know, short for Latoya. <laughs> so okay. she's able to she's able to use the word Toy completely differently in this in the song because she just whenever the the word toy comes up in the song she's makes it she flips it around to make it refer to herself as you know like her nickname for herself yeah hey nicely done well played latoya yeah she she (laughs) she she definitely did what she needed to do to make the song hers in her way and but still keep the basis of of the song intact so yeah it was good it was it was clever I so this what was Prince kind of, thought he probably wasn't amused knowing Prince maybe, and covers. <laughs> I think um, I don't know if I read it for sure, but I thought I read like you know they had asked. Uh, I don't know if they asked Prince or if they just asked Warner Brothers. You know, we want a Prince song, and um, but they didn't want it to do a cover of anything that had already been successful or popularized previously, and so. This song just made sense because she liked how modern it sounded. Because you know, it, it's the Lynn yeah. Drum Machine, and by when she was recording this in '83 or '84 or whenever, the Lynn Drum Machine was still a very modern sound. So it I, it makes sense that she would, her her record company or her father, <laughs> would have picked yeah. this song for her because it did have a modern sound even a few years later. Yeah, it's a good song, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. It's really catchy. So I, I can see, and especially if she can, you know, use the lyrics to her advantage and make them make sense for her. I like the Cleopatra 
being the counterpart of Valentino. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody <laughs> from the past. Yeah. But, you know, still well known for their beauty. Okay. Um, so yeah, the outro is cool. It's fun to sing along to for sure with each one of those lines. What and, do you think I mean, about he, the You Belong to Prince line? Yeah. So the You Belong to Prince line, um, I don't know why he chose to refer to himself in that way and where it's like, you know, he's not playing a character anymore. Like if he calls himself Prince, he can't play it off as just I'm writing a song about, you know, an experience or about somebody else. I mean, he's he put, puts his own name in there and it doesn't say you belong to me. You belong to Prince. And I don't, I don't quite know why he chose to do that. Um, it's, it's Is an it the first choice. time he refers to himself by name in his so. music? Yes, I really, I, I believe that is true. I believe that to be true. I don't, I can't think of any other instances. And up to this point, we've only have three, you know, full length recordings to refer back to. And um, yeah, I, it, it's the first time. Yeah. So there we go. A third first for private joy. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, it is. It is somewhat of a I mean, I don't want to call it a landmark song. I don't know if it's that significant, but it, it does have it does have a few firsts. I mean, it's you know, and I think I think with this line, I've seen this line quoted so many times in the fandom. You know, if anybody asks, I belong to Prince, that kind of thing. So I, I would say this is probably the most famous line from it at least from what I've seen. And, um, you know, it's, it does somewhat, I mean, I can't talk about that without also bringing up the elephant in the room, which is, you know, Prince's controlling nature. I mean, it's, (laughs) it comes out loud and clear here. And, um, you know, it wasn't only relationships. It was, you know, with the record companies, you know, he, he wanted to protect his rights. He was very protective of his intellectual property. Right. And it, at times even going to the extreme. Um, and, you know, this is this is sort of a dark side of Prince, you know, while, while there is a charm to it, I won't deny that, there is definitely a charm to that. It You can't ignore that this was an aspect of his personality for good and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's it does give you that kind of like feeling where you're thinking the lyrics and it's, it has a lot of joy to it and there's a lot of um, fun aspects to it. And you're thinking of it in a very innocent way, you know, talking about a relationship and talking about, you know, the sex is good and whatnot. But then you get to this, you know, like you said, possessive side. And yeah, it's it's a it has a some dark aspects to it if you're really thinking about it in, in depth. You know, just one of those songs where you can kind of dismiss it and just think, well, you know, that it was of the time or these types of things were just this is how songs were written or this is the kind of thing that was done in the 80s but at the same time it doesn't really change anything it doesn't change you know maybe how the person feels to be in in a relationship with a very controlling person doesn't make it better doesn't make it easier for them just because it was more commonplace to be to be open about it Mm -hmm. that's right that's right yeah and i mean he and also you know there were there were things Prince would, um, you know, phrases he would use frequently, you know, you can hear them in the early years. And 
talking about someone being mine. I mean, he had when you were mine, right? And dirty mind. And so there are things that he just repeats. I think he, he likes the phraseology. He likes the idea. And so, I mean, I don't want to get too serious about it, but I think thinking about their real life um, relationship with Susan and, you know, his other dalliances at the same time and, you know, the his controlling nature. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not someone who wants, even though in my own work, I'm trying to put forward sort of the positive uh, lessons that, you know, I took from Prince's life and how you can apply those to, to hopefully also be more successful yourself. But I don't also want to just, just wash over um, that there were also some some dark sides to Prince. And we all have that, right? Like, you know, Prince wasn't a perfect person. Um, right. And I think now, you know, when you read this song today, you know, this kind of thing jumps out probably in a way that it, it wouldn't have at, at the time. Right. Yeah. I would say I would agree with that. There's There's been changes in how we think of male-female relationships and the, the dynamic power dynamics at the time I mean because you know he had the power he he was the artist he was the musician he was the man who you know was can could you know fire you in a a heartbeat if he wanted to out of the band she could have fired her from vanity six he had all the power so Mm -hmm. you know that's right yeah he called the shots and I think you know if, if you think about like I mentioned the Kenny Rogers song that was on the charts at that same time lady and that was all about you're my lady and there was there was a lot of that at the time it just was normal it was how a lot of men sang of relationships in that way so um it's not i mean i think at the time it probably would not have struck people as as at all unusual but now i think you know it's it's interesting to look back and think about the way that we all just um, sort of presumed that this was how things were. I mean, that always strikes me. And But it's important to keep these songs in context of the time, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So uh, all in all, I think it's a really, it's a really poppy, catchy, upbeat tune that, um, you know, w- was a great opener for, for side two. Yeah, and I don't think either of us are trying to say, like, oh, this song needs to be canceled. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, no. we need to never play this song again because of this line. We're not definitely, neither of us are trying to say that. We're just saying, looking at it through a 2019 lens, you might pick up on some things that people wouldn't have back then. And that's all we're really trying to say with that. Oh, yeah. I'm still going to be hopping around the room dancing to this song. I mean, listen, it's, <laughs> it's and, still uh, and there is there is a very sort of endearing feeling to it, too. You know, and, um, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. a very endearing song. It's a fun song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I believe I misspoke earlier. Um, so when when you say something like when you're when you're singing it and you refer to yourself by name, you're act, that's actually in the third person, correct? Yes. You belong. OK, to so he was referring right. to himself third person not first person so i misspoke earlier <laughs> whatever <Okay. you> know? <laughs> i'm not the writer laura you're the writer you can correct okay me. i should have caught that <laughs> but yeah anyway i just wanted to, to clarify that so um i don't really have anything else to say about private joy i think we kind of did a good job of the best we could with uh, kind of talking about the lyrics it's a fun song as we both agreed it has some some things that are interesting about it for sure the different uh, the different references to um, famous people past <laughs> and yep. uh, scenes from movies, uh, science fiction, Woody Allen films. So I think uh, 
unless you have anything else to say about Private Joy Lawyer, I think we'll probably close the book on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it kind of falls into, on this album, you know, sexuality, Private Joy, um, maybe Jack You Off, sort of, you know, in, in kind of the punk feel of those songs. And then um, I, I just really think it's an appealing song. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it very much. Yep. I always crank it whenever it comes on. So mm-hmm. that's right. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks again, Laura, for joining on the podcast. If you want to let anybody know where they can get a hold of you, check out your blog. Maybe you want to give them your web address or something sure. like that. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Follow me at lauratebert.com. Uh, and uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter um, with that handle. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me again, Laura. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again. You've been listening to the Press Ryan Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. I want to thank Laura Tebert again for joining me on the Private Joy episode. I had a great time talking to her, as always. A wealth of knowledge and great insight. So check Laura's blog out when you get a chance, lauratebert.com. And thanks again for listening. Hit me up on thepresserwine.net, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm on all of them. And um, until next time, thank you very much.